Hello and welcome to Final Games, a podcast about the games that inspired us. Thank you so much for joining us once again for the 72nd episode of the show, and to yet again do the dirty deed of banishing another storied games industry member to the deserted place where they will only have eight games to play with them for the rest of their days. I'm your host, as always, Liam Edwards, and this week I'm joined by a very special guest who, for once, is on the same time zone as me, making my life this week a lot easier. Thank you for that. <laughs> my guest this week started out his life in the industry working as an assistant producer for a company called Jalico. I think I pronounced that correctly. But after studying Japanese at the University of Iowa with further studies at both the University of Illinois and the University of Pittsburgh, my guest found himself working in Tokyo for who were at the time industry giants in the 90s, Japanese developers Konami. Starting out, his role, uh, starting out in a role as an international business manager, my guest originally had very little to do with the creative process of actually making games. It wasn't until he decided to work as a freelance translator, putting to good use his university studies, which is something I didn't do, he ended up working on some incredible games, such as Silent Hill 2, 3 and 4, Castlevania Symphony of the Night, Suikoden, Dragon Quest 7 and even Shadow Hearts. But maybe, most importantly, his most famed work is that with quite well-known Japanese director I think a lot of you will know, by the name of Hideo Kojima. My guest worked as the localizer for Kojima-san's Metal Gear Solid. To this day, my guest is still working as a translator and in localization, having started a few of his own companies and publishers here in Japan since. He's also been working as a translator for the Pokemon anime and movies since 2003. I'm incredibly excited to say that joining me this week, and by far the closest in distance guest I've ever had on the show, with him partying up in Himeji just two hours away from me, is famed game localizer, uh, game localizer and translator, Mr. Jeremy Blaustein. Hello, Jeremy. Hello, Liam. Hey. <laughs> Hey man, it's great to have you on the show. Was, How are you doing? I'm good, but that was a little bit creepy. I feel like I've got a stalker. <laughs> <laughs> it's not the first time I've heard that. <laughs> yeah, the the I like to get even. I'm trying to get even more and more in depth, like to the the point of surprising a guest at the yeah, boxer boxers or briefs. <laughs> exactly right the finding out the 20 questions the intimate personal questions then forming them together into a nice introduction but yeah man it's so great to have you on and thank you once again for being on the same time zone as me which oh. has become something i truly relish in these no, I, days. you know i've done a lot of podcasts but i've never had an introduction quite as complete as that yes that was something yes else. Excellent. That's good. I'm very glad to hear that. But as I said, I mean, your your history in the games industry and some of the games you've worked on are some of the most famous Japanese games of all time. Some, you know, incredible standouts, like my personal favorite being Castlevania Symphony of the Night. I mean, Silent Hill 2, the Suikoden series, Dragon Quest 7, and of course, you know, Metal Gear Solid. I imagine you, the amount of times you've had to talk about that game yeah. in your yeah. life. Yeah. But I think what is also really cool about the stuff that you've been doing, and we'll get into talking about how you sort of got into the industry and that kind of stuff in a minute, but like you've not like limited yourself towards video games. I think that's the kind of awesome thing about localization and translating you can do a whole variety of stuff and i i had no idea you'd worked on the pokemon anime like that is really oh. cool to hear yeah well uh yeah i actually i got fired by pokemon uh, uh last year or so <laughs> <laughs> i bring it up a small spot yeah no that's okay i was so i was so tired of working on it honestly it's uh you know it, it, it's soul crushing really to translate those uh 
you know, because because Ash is he's so stupid. Look, I mean, he is so stupid. He's so stupid. You know, didn't I hear recently he finally made it to he finally became champion or something? I I was, I mean, I gave up watching the anime long ago. I don't know. I mean, you you know, it's a whole funny story. What what got me canned finally? I mean, it's. I would love to hear. Okay, well, I'll I'll try to give you the you know the semi short version. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, you you all know Professor Oak, right? Yes. Yeah, he goes back, way back. But Professor Oak's got a brother, okay, in this new academy that Ash found himself in, right? The school. Okay. Yeah. And this brother of his, this crazy brother of his, uh, has this uh, quirky kind of mannerism thing where he makes a Pokemon pun, okay? Okay. Which is fine if it was just a Pokemon pun, but it isn't. He also, uh, when he makes this pun, he assumes the facial characteristics of the Pokemon uh, okay. that he's making so very, a pun about. Very so, Japanese humor. Very Japanese humor. But let me explain the problem here. So, uh, first of all, you have to understand that the Japanese Pokemon have completely different names than, you know, other than Pikachu is the same name. Yeah. But generally yeah. speaking, they're they're completely different names. Yeah. Uh, for anyone who doesn't know, like Lizardon is Charizard's name. Thank you. Know, right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So he... Uh, he would make a pun in Japanese, like uh, let's say he might say, uh, you know, he might say, konnichiwa, you know, but then he'll add a Pokemon whose name begins with wa. So he'll say, uh. konnichiwa dorian, you know, if, you know, if, if there's a wa dorian, right, you know, which yeah. there isn't, I just made that up. But, and then his face would assume, his face would look like a wa dorian. Okay. Yeah. Now, you, when you try to translate this, Okay, you're faced with the the problem of having to translate konnichiwa. Fine, okay, you know, how are you doing or whatever, good day or whatever you want to say. But then you're faced with the awesome task of trying to make a pun out of a... Pokemon. A Pokemon whose name is, not only is it not Wadorion, you know, maybe it's, you know, going to be, you know, you know, you know, Poophead, whatever his name is, you know. And you have to, you, you have to make a pun with the meaning you have to retain oh, the meaning and also the animation yeah, yeah you the can, facial because expression. You, you can't just choose a pokemon that is going to fit your pun you have to yeah. it has to be that one pokemon but oh. it's got a name that is not necessarily going to fit with sound yeah yeah so so i said to the guys you know i mean i you know this is not a deal breaker for me i said to them i said okay so we've got this problem and we're going to have to come up with some kind of... It was the beginning of this new season, you know? Yeah. I, and, uh, oh, my old boss had, had, had recently left, you know, gone to a different place. Uh, and uh, I was dealing with a, a new person over there. Anyway, so okay. I, I said, we've got this problem. Let's let's put our heads together and think about it. And I got some kind of short you know, response, something like, uh, just do your job and translate it. And, oh, God. Yeah, you know, I was like, well, but I can't, you know, I can't. You know, it, it really can't be done. And they're like, well, if that's your attitude, you know, and fuck off. Yeah, it was like that. And and then before things escalated, it was like, we won't be requiring your <laughs> services next. I would like and to I read like, those emails. You know, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's pretty pissed off. So what did they do about it? I don't what know. Did, I, did, I, I, I don't, I don't watch the thing, you know, my, oh, okay. you know, my, uh, my, my, my brother, my sister. Yes. Right. Yeah, you know, your sister. Uh, yeah, Maddie. Yeah, Maddie. Yeah. Um, uh, was uh, was the voice of Meowth for Meowth for like a long or, time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, really, 
set the character, you know? Um, yeah. Well, I mean, let's think about the Pokemon anime in terms of how long it's been going on for pretty much the most famous voices. You've had Ash change so much. You had Professor yeah, Oak change. Yeah. Jesse and James kind yeah. of stayed the same, yeah. but Meowth was always the same and Meowth became so recognizable because of obviously the Meowth that's right kind of catchphrase so yeah yeah with, a, was a, with, a, with a Brooklyn accent with a Brooklyn yeah. accent yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but that was a voice that that uh you know that uh Maddie had been doing since we were kids so uh but anyway yeah no I, I don't watch uh, Pokemon I can't I can't I can't stand it but you know I, I, I imagine I actually hired a bunch of those um on several of the games that I directed uh I, I've got the Pokemon voice actors in there uh Ape Escape 2 uh to yeah. all Pokemon voice actors people will <laughs> you know people will recognize right away that yeah yeah and uh let's see Valkyrie Profile got him in yeah. there yeah yeah even on uh, Silent Hill 4 there's some uh, Pokemon people Surprisingly, mm, a lot of people get surprised for some reason. I don't know why it still surprises them when they hear game voice actors in anime. Mm, it's like mm. they're two sides of the same coin in terms of the industry. Yeah, a lot of the time. Yeah, uh, but people are still surprised when they hear um, someone voicing said and said character when it's like a game character. It's like, how can this game character be this anime? <laughs> it's like uh, because they're two different mind, things. Mind blown. Yes. <laughs> but you have worked in the games industry as well. Obviously, we just sort of touched on it a little bit. And I mean, going through those credits, it's quite a quite a list of games that you've worked on. A lot of them still talked about now, especially considering they're nearly all Japanese games. Yeah. So they were early, you know, 2000s. The late '90s, this time when Japan was sort of dominating the yeah, industry, yeah. PlayStation One and everything like Man, that. Man, I so I, sort of how did you find yourself getting into? Because you came around the time when voice acting wasn't really a thing, and then no, no, did it and no, no, because well, you have to understand, I I got into it when we were still sixteen uh, bit. That's when I got yeah. into the industry, you know. And then just as I left, it was. Uh, it was switching over to uh, CD ROM games, mm. and so it was that pivotal moment in history when there was an explosion in uh, text and voice. Yeah. Up until that point, it was, you know, I I, I did a couple of, uh, you know, translations for when I was at Konami. I did a couple of translations for you know like Tiny Tunes and you know Biker Mice from Mars and stuff like that. But it's you know it's nothing. <laughs> I mean, you know, my first my first directing gig was for uh, uh, Contra Hardcore when I was working at Konami and uh, you know, that, that consisted basically of, okay, give me, give me three sets of, uh, you know, you know, damage react. Okay. Now you're sliding on the ground. Mm, uh, yeah. <laughs> now you're jumping in yeah, pain. Right, yeah, yeah. 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 Okay. So, so then you're switching over to this. And then the next thing I know, I'm being approached of, uh, this is still while I'm at Konami and when I'm trying yeah. to, trying desperately to get into R&D because that's what I wanted to do. Yeah. Um, uh, and uh, this uh, uh, this director at, uh, in R&D invited me over to play this game, Snatcher, you know, just to get my opinion, see, yeah. what, see what I thought of it. And I was, you know, it was the first CD-ROM play, game I'd played. Pops it into the, the, the Mega Drive CD and 
I was blown away. Snatcher. Wow. I was just, I played it that day and I just, it made like such an impression on me. I, I can never, I don't think I'll ever have such a revelatory. Yeah. Moment. Like an immersive, you know, emotionally connected game experience as that. And I said, hell yes, we should bring that over. And it never did really. They brought it over. Yeah. Oh, they put it over, didn't they? But in, in terms of like, I can't remember. It, it didn't. Did it do well in the West? I don't think it. There well, was something about. It was. It was a. It was a tremendous failure. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> I mean, you know, it was like it. It didn't sell at all. <laughs> so, switching from that then to moving on to you know Metal Gear Solid and that being this game where. So I'm a freelancer by that point. You have to understand. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just right in there, I had my, uh, I was in Tokyo working at Konami and then I had a baby and uh, I just couldn't see any way to raise a baby in, you know, in this little tiny apartment. And it wasn't really what I wanted to, I didn't want to continue this exhausting life of riding on Tokyo subways and, you know, and I didn't get into R&D like I wanted to. So I didn't, you know, want to continue, you know, writing like shipping documents either. So. So then switching over to being a freelance translator then. And Konami, moving back to the States, yeah. Konami approached you or were you offering your services to them as like, hey, look, no, you know, I've left. Uh, I had I, I had a friend in the international division that helped steer work my way. And ah, and to be frank, they, they, just, just nice little slide. Well, there wasn't, the, you know, the other thing, Liam, is it, it wasn't like there was any other options. There were, you know, there weren't... Uh, Really, an abundance of translators. Yeah, there was there was there was not an abundance of game translators then, and the word localizer didn't exist. They exist, yeah, because mm. I've spoken to obviously Ben Judd in mm. the past, being the the Capcom side of things. Even when, you know, he started in the early two thousands, there was there was nothing. Ben's a youngin compared to me. Yeah, exactly right. So we're talking about going back to like Metal Gear when voice acting wasn't really a thing. No, no. No, at all, no. and then this game came out. Um, when you were told I mean, that there was, this game was gonna, there was a couple, feature. couple of games with voice acting. I mean, there was like that. What was that Sega CD uh, one with that? The sleepover with the girls that got a little night bit, trap, night trap, night trap, right? Yeah. But I mean, but but these weren't translated works. But that was like FMV stuff as well. Right, so it was like right. direct video. True, true. You know, it wasn't game character to vo- to like say you voice actor right yeah there was stuff right there, yeah the, the stuff wasn't translated you know mm. so nice. going into that project then and being told okay we're making this game you know the guy who made snatcher is doing this new game for us and um it's gonna mm. feature mm. all of this voice acting this brand new thing and you gotta yeah. translate it and, the, yeah. and you're gonna do all the directing for the voice acting and obviously what was happening at the time was that there was a, like a strike or something. So they changed the names and stuff. And there was all this kind of palaver around it. A strike what was, was what, what are you referring to? Didn't, I can't remember. Wasn't there something about um, the, like the voice the, actor strike? You mean the voice actors? Yeah. Was that changed? I'm trying to think. I, I kind of have the feeling that this was before the voice actor strike. I, I might be wrong. Um, as far as them changing their names, this is an issue of uh, union versus non-union. And in, the, ah, okay. in those days, we didn't, you know, we didn't, we weren't, you know, Konami wasn't going to pay for a union. You <laughs> Sounds know? like Konami. Yeah. You know, I mean, I don't think anybody was. I mean, I, I, I don't know. I I don't really know. But uh, uh, 
they didn't want to pay the union. You know. Okay. And I think that you know a lot of game companies didn't. You know. It was still this new thing that yeah, it was uh, this new cut a lot of corners. That's right. It was, it was still this new thing, and uh, so yeah, it turns out that only David Hayter was the was the only guy willing to use his name. He was just for whatever reason, David was just like you know, fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> so then, going on to you know working on the project and being told it's going to have all this voice acting and you have to yeah translate all this kind of what what was that yeah. like being like oh oh sh- oh shit or were you kind of like oh, this sounds really cool. I can't wait to get started on this. Well, that's a good question. Um, it was pretty overwhelming at the beginning, you know. Um, it was just you, right? Yeah, it was just me. It was just yeah. you. I got For anyone uh, who doesn't know, it was literally just Jeremy. You know, I'll show you one of these <laughs> one of these things I got here. Uh, uh, I got three of these. So... Okay, so Jeremy is holding up this yeah. fantastic binder in front yeah. of me that has the, I imagine, the script for Metal Gear in it. Oh, my yeah, God. one is the script, and, and one is, you know, like... Uh, is that the original script? Yeah. Wow. One's got the script, and one's got, like, uh, you know... I love that you still have those. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And one's got, the, you know, like, the weapons and, you know, backstories and... Yeah. Know, um, so yeah, I mean, when these things got, uh, I, I went to, uh, went to Japan to, to meet with Kojima and we talked about the, the you know, this thing. It, I mean, this was new for him too. I mean, um, yeah. because, uh, I mean, Snatcher was done, um, he wasn't even working on the CD-ROMs when he did Snatcher, you know, this, the Snatcher CD-ROM that was done, there was a third act that was added to that, that was kind of just slapped on there that wasn't in the original Kojima thing. So this was new for Kojima too, to have this much, uh, you know, voice and text and, yeah. and to, to make something of this scale. So, uh, yeah. To when fit I, it in as well around the gameplay and that kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, it was like, I wasn't going to say no. I was going to say, yeah, sure. I can, you know, I can do that, you know, but when you're, <laughs> when you're looking at, <laughs> when you're looking at something like that and you don't know, really what you're getting into, what it entails, um, how much work it is, or how you're going to do it. You know, you just, I guess no one did. No, no. All you can do is say, yeah, you know, I'll do it. <laughs> we'll you know? see. Yeah. And um, <laughs> it turns out I, I, I didn't prepare very well because I didn't make an arrangement, for example, to be paid uh, in installments during the process. So it turned out that I worked on it for six months with no pay. And I wasn't like, I didn't have any savings, so you know I had. <laughs> and you just moved back to the U.S. I had US just moved back to the to the U.S. I was living in Western Massachusetts. I was working out of this uh, office, which was the size of a small bathroom, and I had two. Uh, I had a three-year-old and a one-year-old, basically, you know, and a wood stove, <laughs> and I had to, you know, chopping wood and stuff like this, and you know, no money, and I. It was very very stressful. But you got it done. I did. I did. I you was got it done, I, and it became yeah one of Konami's biggest hits in the West. Which you know, if you look at the Konami story franchises, you know why? of course, because they left why because they left me the fuck alone. Really, basically, you know, oh, okay. which is not the way things are done now. You know, 
in localization. Well, the teams that have lots of politics that you have to go yeah, through and stuff. You've, you've got people, you know, reading uh, these uh, computer-assisted translation programs, and, and, you know, you've got your glossary, you know, built in, telling you, you know, this is how this is translated. Did Style you, guide. Yeah, kind of you know, three ellipses for this character, and this ca- character says, you know, says them, and this one says they, and this one says, you know. Was that more of Konami just not giving a fuck about the English version? Did they not it, expect that it would do good, well? That's a good question. It was that, as well as the fact that um, there was no technology to support that kind of supervision, in, ah, including okay. you know, including things like Skype or yeah, you were just in the U.S. doing your yeah, own I mean, thing. Yeah, the right? internet barely existed. You know, <laughs> did and, you uh, have to like <laughs> fax over your scripts? Yeah, that. That, that, you, 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 that, you laughed, but then all of a sudden I, your face turned so yeah, serious. On, uh, <laughs> I had I I literally faxed over scripts when I did the translation for um, um, Trials and Tribulations, the uh, Phoenix Wright game, you know. Yeah, and for anyone who doesn't know, Japan still uses fax machines. Speaking of Ben Judd, yeah. yeah, yeah, to this day, yeah. I got my fax machine right here. <laughs> fax machines are everywhere. So I'm not surprised by that. Yeah. So it's anyway, it was it was the technology and it was the fact that uh, there weren't, you know, there were no experts on, on localization. So who was going to watch me anyway? I mean, no one spoke English over there. Yeah. Right? There was no one. There were, it was. Yeah. It was just you doing your thing. And that, uh, I don't know, you know, how Konami felt about it. But, you know, Metal Gear became... Metal Gear Solid became this juggernaut of the video game industry off the back it of that. Did. And um, it's crazy to see, you know, we're gearing up for uh, Metal Gear Survive very, very soon. Well, um, it, didn't, it came out already, didn't it not? It did, I think it comes out next week. I think oh, it's next okay. week from when we're recording this. Okay. I think it's next week. Um, but yeah, Metal Gear's gone through, you know, up to the fifth game in the mainline franchise and it's gone through so many changes well, it's and 20 20 years this year 20 years yeah. and um it's fantastic and it's incredible to sort of you know people st- still talk about metal gear solid every day every I mean, single day it, you know I, I i gotta be totally frank with you it it amazes me because it's not just metal gear i've actually got quite a lot of these like cult games that I did, and I, yeah. I, it blows me away. I, I can't understand what it is. I mean, I, I guess I just got lucky, you know, or or I did. You know, I mean, you. If anyone looks up your credits, dude, you you covered a whole basis of stuff that you've given games to Western audiences that they wouldn't experience normally because those games just would never have got done or you know made if the type of people who had the talents you had at that time mm. didn't exist and that kind of thing. Mm, so mm, mm. I'm su- I'm not surprised people get in touch about their cult games, I think. Mm. Considering how, especially how difficult it is now to see, you know, games come out of Japan from smaller studios to the West. It just doesn't happen. It costs too much money to do localization and mm. yeah. all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, we're talking about it now. We're going on 25 plus years and, uh, still people are talking about it. it's fantastic it, it's amazing I, I i i never would have thought i never would have thought it holy shit i mean i talked to people that like yeah like you i mean you were born what 
I don't know. We were talking about it just yeah, before. I mean, I was born four years before. I, mean, who, I was who this four was? years after you arrived. Oh, I got the, I got this made in uh, in Himeji, right? And uh, yeah, you know, we had just met, right? He didn't, you know, he didn't know anything about my game career and whatnot or anything like that. And when he found out that I uh, did Silent Hill, he was just like, "Oh my god!" And this guy, he, I don't know, he's like twenty. He's probably <laughs> he's about the same age as Silent Hill. You know? Yeah. Well, he's the same age as Mel. Gibson. Right. So. so he knows, but he knows about you know. I, I, it, it's just and because it, these games, I, I mean, we're talking about games that are they're referred to in the almost the same vein as like Mario, Zelda, Silent Hill Two, Castlevania Symphony of the Night. But games Mel have Gibson. a very short. But don't you think that games, um, in general, have a very short uh, turnover? They have a quick, quick turnover rate. You know, they do. They do now, but, uh, I think. But these classic games, I guess it's sort of like the Led Zeppelin and the Pink Floyd. Yeah. You know, it's like yeah. they're never, you know, they, they, will, they never will never go, go away. Out. Yeah. The kids, will, the kids will learn from the parents and, you know. It's half like, it's half they did it first yeah. kind of feeling. Yeah. Yeah. And then it's half also, but they were also really good. Yeah. Like Metal Gear Solid, people still play it now and they, you know, they complain about very little to do with that game. Or, or Silent Hill 2, people, you know, I've, I've played Silent 2, Hill 2 so many times with friends repetitively over and over again. Mm, mm. And, you know, Castlevania Symphony of Night spawned this whole entire... Well, that game for sure will never get old. No. That, and, you know, it spawned this entire genre of indie games that now appear out yeah. of every year you know the metroidvanias alongside super metroid and stuff like that the, these games will never die and you were a part of that it's it, it's incredible um to think about that and it's awesome you know it's funny I, when castlevania came out simply the night it, it was it was already you know quite derivative it wasn't like uh, mm. but i think it was the it was the pinnacle of its of its art really it was definitely the pinnacle of that series. I mean, I love Symphony of the Night mm, to mm, death. It's mm. incredible. And last year I met Igarashi-san yeah. and had a quick conversation with him about Symphony of the Night and Bloodstained. And As did I. As did I. Because yes. I, there was something that I, I needed to get off my off, off my chest with Igarashi-san. Oh, oh off Because I, I had never actually met Igarashi-san until I ran into him uh, last year. Uh, <laughs> he was, and who, who so, are you? <laughs> no, he, you know, he, he knew who I was. He knew who I was, but uh, we we hadn't worked together. Um, uh, were you like, I was the dude who made you famous in the West? Igarashi no, I was, I was like, <laughs> because the thing is, ben, ben Judd, speaking of Ben Judd, whose name keeps popping up in this. Yes. Yeah, Ben Judd sort of you know blew this thing up because he said to Igarashi in an interview, he, he brought up the, uh, you know, what is a man thing. Yes. <laughs> what is a man? Right, which, you know, for you for you listeners out there, you have to understand. I didn't. This wasn't the translation of what was in the Japanese, okay? Because back then we had a different. I had a different <laughs> idea of what my role was. Okay, I thought that I was a you know a content creator, and I I still largely think that. Right. I think that yes, the responsibility of the localizer is to is to give something that is fun to play. Okay. And that to localize something for a different audience. It's also yes to to faithfully translate, but one you know one I think one has to take precedence over the other. And uh, this opening scene in the Japanese, it was a very uh, boringly written you know opening scene. He he actually said instead of saying what is a man, he actually said something like you know um, you know we'll see which one of us you know is telling the truth. 
you know, or something okay. like that. It was just it was some throwaway line, you know, and I just was like, wait a second, this is supposed to be a, you know, exciting, you know, thing. A memorable <laughs> scene, and so I'm going to rewrite this fucking thing. Which now, how'd you, I, I mean, how did there, I have the balls to do that? I know. I know. I know, but there. Now I think about it. We're thinking about like the the uh, let's let's. I hate the word, but meme lines. The meme lines. Yeah. That yeah have come up. You know the. Do you think love can bloom on the battlefield in Metal Gear Solid? And yeah. you know, what is a man? Well, in how can bloom? You know, very different. How can love bloom is something I would have re- rewritten, and in fact, I think I did. But it was one of the lines that they caught me having rewritten and said like hey, wait a second you know oh this isn't the japanese translation yeah, something like that so oh, I, okay I, I, I hated that line um whereas uh, <laughs> do you like the do you like the what is a man I, lo- I, lo- I love that line you know you love it, that of one? course it's not you know it's not an original line it's a it's from a a, a french uh, a writer <laughs> oh you didn't, you didn't notice? i love it yeah, yeah i love yeah. it yeah i just it it's was so just, good it was just a line i i, I picked up uh <laughs> you know, trolling trolling the internet for trolling the internet for stuff well jeremy talking about your career man it's been it's been an incredible one and i guess it's very fitting to sort of say it like that because we're gonna get ready to send you to a deserted place oh, dude, shit. where yeah yeah not, you forgot gonna, about that part i'm not gonna play you? any of my games though no you're not no your list doesn't include any of them no. in fact um but it it does include a lot of uh time killers yeah you sort of mentioned yeah. to me yeah uh, a lot of time killers and i'm very intrigued to be getting into them i wonder if they're games that you do like a lot even if they aren't just time killers I'm they, very are. Interested they, to- are. they, they are because uh well it's the way i roll i'm all about killing time <laughs> in my own killing life, time so. <laughs> <laughs> you live in beautiful humanity i do <laughs> i do there's no need to kill time in humanity no i mean you know I can probably say this now, given that it's all legal now in the U.S. and stuff, although it's not in Japan. But, you know, I, I spent my game playing hours, you know, fairly high and, you know. <laughs> fairly high, forgetting what, <laughs> so, forgetting what experiences yeah, you had. <laughs> yeah, so these are games that I liked to play high. Oh. I think, you know, and just let... You know. Say no more. Yeah. I mean, we could arrange for the, the island to be legalized, the place oh, in which we're going to send good. you. That would, would that be, help? That would be that would be wonderful. In fact, you wouldn't, you wouldn't have to uh, banish me there. I would just... I'd, I mean, there's, I'd there's take, no one... That... I'd take the boat over there and I'd burn it, burn it on the shores and just... <laughs> well, I think it's about time that we jump into your eight then. So let's listen to some music from the first game. And let's of course. Oh, this is, by the way, this is in no particular order. I did not. It's in no these. particular order. I did not no. order these for you, no. No. They're, but we're going to jump into the first one, which is the ultimate time killer, really, for millions and millions. So let's listen to some music from the first game and dive into Jeremy's final games. Thank you. 
So jumping into the first game on Jeremy's list then, as we said, it's kind of the ultimate time killer because you can pretty much do whatever you want in it. Whether it's uh, build a house, build a castle, build a boat, or create a computer, which some people have done with certain items in that game. It's of course the juggernaut developed by Mojang, Mojang, however they pronounce it, and it's been ported to almost every console imaginable pc mobile wii u nintendo switch xbox 360 playstation everything under the sun from its initial release back in 2011 of course created by mr notch himself it's the sandbox video game minecraft jeremy please tell us well minecraft uh, you know i mean yeah i mean please this is kind of this is kind of a utilitarian uh, game for me to be on this island because i not only will it kill time for me i conceived that it might actually be useful in a sort of Gilligan's Island professorial way. Okay. Perhaps I could, you know, use it to build, uh, you know, me mechanisms and apparati out of uh, coconuts, setting my plans by actually building so you, the devices on Minecraft. And, you know, so you'd build, build the computers on Minecraft and then use them to automate a prototype, services. Uh, yeah. I build the prototype on, on Minecraft. Ah, okay, okay. Yeah. So you wouldn't actually use it to control to automate Not services Not at all. built out of bamboo. No. I might, uh, you know, I might, for example, experiment with different shaped boats. <laughs> hey, uh, you're not getting off this island, man. <laughs> <laughs> as many Minecraft boats as you build. <laughs> okay, fine then. Then you know the you know my 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 living quarters, whatever. You know the point okay. is. But I, I think it's it ultimately it's just a super flexible game and um, really anywhere any any anywhere your imagination can take you you can uh, you you can you can build it on Minecraft and I I've never been one of these uh, graphics guys in fact going back to Konami and we were talking about the entrance into the CD-ROM world you know I'm so old but I I, I got to be honest with you I'm like a I'm like a game curmudgeon I I felt back then I felt like uh, Sony is going in the wrong direction. You know, we really Graphic, don't need with to their, with their push for graphics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I and I and I think that you know I, I still feel that way because uh, you know I see that um, well the way we sell these games now, for example, is we, we you know we throw up these these uh, full motion video advertisements and you know you look at uh, Death Stranding for example for example we know nothing yeah. nothing about the gameplay. In fact, it's no. all, uh, it's not even important to, to what though? I mean, are we, is it even a, you know, what is exciting people? Is it, is it, I think the excitement is exciting them. I don't know. It's, it's, it's all very self-referential and, and, uh, do you get, do you, speaking of Death Stranding, do you get the excitement that people have over a, a, Ko, a, a Kojima game? Like, do you? As someone who's worked with him and worked on yeah, his I mean, I, products, do you get that? Well, yes and no. I mean, <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I, I think you could say I get it or you could say I see through it or... Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I, I think it's... It's it's not really game-making as I conceive of it. It's more like, uh, you know, it's... Uh, Evoking of emotions. <laughs> Yeah, I mean it's a it's a it's a giant marketing machine, you know, and um, it's interesting now that we're, we're we're talking about Death Stranding and we're talking about Metal Gear Survive here, and um, 
this really brings the the issue to the head, doesn't it? I mean, because like to you, to you then, as someone who has worked on localization, which is predominantly um, a lot of the time to deal with story in video games, right? Obviously you translate items, yeah, and yeah, translate yeah, yeah, menus, yeah. but it's to do with story, which is you know, story comes from a big leap. I think in graphical prowess too. Obviously, we've had RPGs in the past that, that you know, Final Fantasy VI, mm. uh, your Chrono Trigger, which tell wonderful stories through text and all mm. that kind of stuff. Mm. But then, story became this thing that was associated with cutscenes or yes. parts of gameplay where there was very little gameplay and more to watch or listen to. Yes, yes. But yes. for you, then, is a game like Minecraft more of a game? That you enjoy over something like Death Stranding, for example. Yes, yes. I, I, I'll be perfectly honest with you that, um, and I think this is true for most people. You'll watch a, you'll you'll watch a cutscene, you know, once, and then you're always going to skip over it. You don't want to see it again. It's, you know, <laughs> right? Even if and 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 there's a quite a large number of people that aren't even going to watch it once. Yeah, they're just going to skip it entirely. And, Does that hurt you as a localizer? Uh. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't hurt me. I mean, I think that if if it it's w- there for the people. Who if it was it? if it was well done, then people are going to want to watch it. So um, okay, it's really the test of whether or not um, you know you have to have both. You know, one has to serve the other. Um, the I think that the the story has to ultimately you know, whatever you say about storytelling and and this sort of thing, you're still you're still dealing with a person that's playing a game. Yeah. You know, you, you you have, you know, this X amount of hours, you know, where you're sitting in front of the screen and you're interactively involved in this structured, you know, play. Okay. And now the story is certainly a useful thing to enhance your interest um, by uh, creating a to deep deepen your sense of the reality of this world that you're playing within, right? Okay. But the two have to work hand in hand, and um, the 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 gameplay must never be reduced to uh, being nothing but a structure for this storytelling, and the storytelling must never be reduced to being nothing more than just a, you know, a sort of slapped on a text box here to explain this yeah no one wants to read right right so um you take something like silent hill 2 for example yeah you know and you really really have something that's so well integrated i think um you couldn't it's enjoy... a poor balance between yeah, you... the gameplay doesn't have much text or story to it that isn't outside of environmental storytelling. You'll mm. read a, a lot of stuff, like you'll go up to something, press a thing, and it'll it'll react and give you a text box. But a lot of the time, the story is constructed around you getting to certain markers within the gameplay itself. And then there's kind of almost a unique separation between the two i think for that game yeah i think but that's it that's works together true. yeah i think i think that that is very true and it, it's actually quite different really than something like metal gear solid uh in terms of because uh... that goes for the well metal gear solid is the ultimate example of 
this with the codec. The codec right, 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 right. The codec, it yeah, it will interrupt you. Exactly. I, a lot of people it's enjoy very intrusive. that. A lot of people love the codec and they have fond memories of it. But ultimately, in terms of playing a game, it interrupts you. Mm, well, not randomly, but it definitely interrupts you unexpectedly yes. quite often when you're playing the game or you're trying to figure something out and then the gameplay stops for a, a brief period and you have to listen or read something and maybe some players aren't interested in that and others maybe love it. But the, there's definitely no synergy between the two. I think it's like, like, you know, it's, it's, it's like, uh, it's like a, a filmmaker, you know. Um, some things, you know, I think it's best when a filmmaker doesn't tell you something but shows you it and allows you to feel that you stumbled upon this feeling or this discovery yourself. Yeah. You know? And so I think it's like that with games as well. Um, now, uh, it's just my own personal taste, but uh, I'm not a big fan of, you know, getting hit over the head with stuff. Whether, you know. <laughs> so, so what about a game like Minecraft then? That has yeah, a, it, it's just that has no story, but I'm, it does have like this adventure mode where it has like this Ender Dragon and all this kind of lore that isn't explained to you in any way. You just kind of experience it. I'm a playbox guy, play, uh, play sandbox guy. Sandbox, yes. I'm a sandbox guy, and you know the first um, game creator that 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 I wanted to know about, the one that really grabbed me was Peter Molyneux interesting yeah i just you know I, I just you know why is it considering um because i think as that guy's career went on well the story yeah, became yeah. quite heavily it, a it's true yeah that, that's 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 quite a quite a good point but it is diametrically opposed to really where he started in my opinion the god game yes, style yes, that he was making prior. yes and those okay. had just a profound influence on on uh my my ideas about games and what i personally enjoyed you know this is this is really interesting because obviously we spoke a little bit about when you started out and obviously your push to get into r&d and that you never sort of made it to that creative side like that yeah. development side yeah. and you became creative in this very different way which is i submitted creating a game this plan. experience sorry to interrupt you but I, I i just wanted to say i submitted a game plan actually to kojima-san which was very, very much influenced by Peter Molyneux's uh, games, uh, and also, oh, really? uh, you know, some some Will Wright in there. You know, it was really a, a Peter Molyneux Will Wright kind of mashup. Uh, what happened with that? That uh, was loosely based on Stephen King's The Stand. <laughs> yeah, it would have been good. So, where did good. that go? Where did uh, that go? Kojima didn't really. You know, he said, you know, you you didn't. Uh, I don't know the the game plan proposal that you wrote it, it didn't wasn't filled in with enough details and blah 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 and, blah, blah. and I, you know we, we were we were in the business department we weren't in any position to uh, be pitching yeah um, yeah so it was so do you i'm sorry have I, I a little you. yeah what were you gonna no say no there? do you have a little bit of regret for not switching oh to yeah that side? oh yeah so the, much yeah. because even though we're talking we 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 went on for you know a good half an hour about how incredible your career has been and all these people who still come up to you and talk to you about the games that you've worked on and the stuff that you've created the the lines and the the scenes and the character personalities that these people love like solid snake and all that kind of stuff like that comes from your work it, it comes from other people's games, but it, for us as in the Western audience, it comes from your work. 
Do you still have the regret that you didn't I do. I make do. Of course I do. Of course I do. You know, it's funny. I just retweeted this uh, this thing from a Metal Gear Solid bot today. This line I loved from you know Metal Gear Solid where uh, Snake says, you know a lot about science, but you don't know how good a cigarette tastes in the morning. <laughs> you know and, you see that's like and that's, that's not your it, history right this is not a translation this this was a line that I, I i i shoved in there and no one noticed that i shoved it in there and the thing was i this is why also i did not translate metal gear solid two three four five and whatever because when they because did of the... when they did integral and they had to uh comb over these things going line by line they're like wait a second what's this you know, and when Kojima found out about it, he wasn't pleased. And, you know, and so, in fact, he was so not pleased that when they made the Twin Snakes. He must have, you know, had a staff of three or five or more people. Choosing, you know, some uh, symbolic lines that I had written just to get rid of. Just so uh... they could just I mean, and it, you have to understand, they took like 99 percent. And more of my but the, the one percent of personality. Yeah. Right. 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 Yeah. 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 Just uh, just as a sort of symbolic cleansing, so that they could you know. stand their ground in a very Japanese way. Yeah. In a very, yeah. <laughs> in a very Japanese way. Kind of um. So that you know that Metal Gear bot now twenty years on is still tweeting out lines that you did. So your history's there, but. You still feel like I didn't you take wish the bath I wanted. Into- yeah, I wanted to make games, you know. But uh, yeah, yeah, sure, I did. You know, I, I, I think I'm lucky that I didn't. Oh, really? Well, yeah, because I, I mean, you would be still working at Konami. We're really being, not. No, it's not. It's not even that. I mean, yeah, there's that, but I, I think that looking back, uh, you know, games have changed a lot, and. Um, you look at a guy like Peter Molyneux, a genius, and he didn't age well. How was I going to, you know, <laughs> how were things going to work out for me? It wasn't going to have, <laughs> it wasn't going to have a happy ending, my friend. Well, you just have to not promise things that you never deliver. Well, right? maybe I think that yeah. was that yeah. was Peter's fault, I think. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going to move on to the next game, then, yeah. um, and we're going to listen to some wonderful music from this next game, which is another very. Very serious time killer and a delightful little game, though. One that is um, quite known for its localization as well because of the villagers and stuff like that that appears in the game and uh, all the little quirks about that. So let's listen to some wonderful music from this next game. Let's, of course, dive straight into it. So before we jump into the next game, Jeremy, 
there's something we have to talk about before we do. And that's, of course, the place in which we're going to send you. Because, hmm. I mean, we're, we're, I'm allowing you eight games. I'm okay. allowing you eight games. So, you know, I'm not that cruel. I no. mean, I am banishing you for a, eternity to play only eight games. Yeah. But I allow you the at least comforts of choosing the destination on which you get to go. Of course, it's deserted. So there's no people. Or in this matter, there are no NPCs. Because the place you have to choose has to be from video games. Well, I'd certainly like it to be a place with, uh, for example, palm trees that I could uh, shake and have, uh, you know, things drop out of them. Yeah. Or maybe somewhere where I could even uh, bury the coconuts and uh, another tree would promptly sprout up. Oh, okay. So where would we send you? Where Where would you like to be sent? Oh, a tropical island, no doubt about it. The uh, marijuana is there, would is a, grow better Is there as a well. specific... Tropic, uh, tropical Island from a video game you've particularly enjoyed? Uh, I think that no better option is available than the one we see in uh, Animal Crossing. That's very true. And speaking of Animal Crossing, what a wonderful... We can tell you've written stories in the past. What a wonderful segue here because your second game on your list features very much that. Uh, it's, of course... You, you wrote down... Animal Crossing, just on the list, uh, generally meaning the series. And I had yeah, to sort of yeah. push you a little bit to, you know, make a decision on one. And you've gone from the latest. And I, I took latest not to mean the mobile game or the spin-off games because they don't really capture the essence. I haven't played them, to be fair. So, what this, you know, for, yeah. for me, Animal Crossing is, a, uh, is an idea. It's not a game. It's an idea that progresses. <laughs> it transcends time. <laughs> or zaps all. Shout out to Richard Amtower, by the way, for the localization. Okay, excellent. Wherever he is. Um, a shout out to Aya, who is the uh, wonderful director on this game. The one you're going to take with you, which is the, the latest in the mainline series, as they like to say. Um of course, it's a live simulation video game that was released for the Nintendo 3DS back in 2012 here in Japan, and then a year later in 2013 in the West. It was developed by Nintendo ED and directed by a wonderful friend of mine, IAQ Goku. Mm. It is, of course, Animal Crossing New Leaf. Mm. So, Jeremy, you, I, I'm guessing you don't specifically know too much about this version of the game. I don't, no. But what is it about the idea of Animal Crossing then and taking Animal Crossing with you, especially considering <clears> the <throat> island you're going to is one from Animal Crossing as well. What is it about taking this over all the other time-killing style mm, games mm, you could have taken? What mm. is it about Animal Crossing? You know, I think it's the... Uh, I've actually always been um, really taken by the idea of uh, simulated community, simulated uh, social life, and the... Uh, the extent to which a computer can fulfill this, you know, this this little part of our brain that requires uh, social interaction, and uh, it's always been fascinating to me, you know, and uh, I think that this pushes a lot of those buttons. Games are all about pushing buttons for you know rewards and the feeling of um, accomplishment and rewards, but it's also there's a social aspect. Yeah. And um, I think that Animal Crossing uh, did a very great job, you know, on that. I mean, I, I was thinking about choosing something like, you know, Tokimiki Memorial or, you know, like a dating thing like this. 
a very static sort of for similar play reasons. Play a few times, but get the relationship. Yeah, kind of idea, right? yeah, yeah. But uh, going back to Peter Molyneux for for a minute, the thing that he said that is a quote quote that will never leave my mind uh, because I think it's just so accurate. Uh, if if obvious, right? Um, he said that uh, a, a video game really exists in your mind. You know, I'm, 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 this is not, a, not an exact quote, but he was talking about the way in which um, there's this relationship, there's this, there's this uh, relationship between the graphics, um, a kind of diminishing returns, I think, for graphics. Uh, in other words, it's another way of saying that I don't think graphics are very important because the world is actually going on in your brain. Your your brain is actually recreating graphics that, um, in fact, when the graphics are limited, it allows more room for your brain to create. The imagination the ima of what the, happens. Right. I think the greatest example for that for me is, um, you know, Final Fantasy VI, a game, a very famous game, a game that has been praised over the years, but limited by its, you Graphics, know, appearing yeah. on the Super Nintendo. Yeah. But that has one of the most incredible scenes, the opera scene in Final Fantasy VI. It's this uh, masterpiece of mm. atmosphere and mm. stuff, but it's built up, I think, by the, your brain Absolutely. filling in the blanks of what an opera scene would be like uh, under such high stakes and that kind of stuff. And, there is very much that, and uh, it's an amazing I'm someone thing. who really enjoys the create. I think one of the things I love most about video games is music, and I don't talk about music in terms of making an orchestral soundtrack. More of like, you know, we have a lot of people have this nostalgia for like chip tune music and music from the 16-bit era, mm. and that kind of stuff, and those tracks were built under limitations like extreme limitations but the the creativity and the imagination you get out of that because of it i've always had a real fondness for people creating stuff under severe limitations because it, it almost empowers you as the player to think a little more outside the box of what the game really i think is. when there's limitations you know and this is true it, absolutely music to i'm a big blues fan you know some people that don't get the blues they say come on they all, all the songs sound the same but you know uh the thing is, it's with it's working within these limitations that the the smallest, most subtle differences are the most expressive. It's these tiny variations, you know, in blues that makes you feel a person's soul, you know. And it's like raising kids too, you know. You raise them with limitations, you know, to uh, you give them too much freedom and 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 things get all fucked up and. You know, we can't. You can't go back in graphics either. I mean, um, shit. I, I was I was trying to figure out these eight games, and I I remembered a game I liked for the 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 Sega the, the Sega, you know, the, the Mega Drive. Uh, it's called I think Centurions of Rome or something like this. You know, and I looked this up, and I I looked at some some gameplay of it. Couldn't fucking believe how horrible the graphics were. Because it, because in my mind, memory. yeah, because in my mind, there was gleaming, you know, gleaming armor, you know, yeah. <laughs> armies smashing against each other. And it is simply unacceptably poor graphics at this point because there's no going back. I mean, but then again, I'm so old that I played, you know, biplanes on the, you know, Atari, you know, in the combat 
game with my with my twin brother, you know, and and we were flying biplanes, you know, even though yeah. they were, you know, three pixel, you know, three pixel <laughs> <laughs> or tanks, you know. Uh, so, so then with the, yeah. with with a game like Animal Crossing, then the relationship dynamic is very limited. You you you're it's right. It's true. You give presents, presents and yeah, yeah. but people have such a fondness yeah. for that game, and they have serious stories and love for the characters mm. because of when they talk to someone else about, oh yeah, this villager came and I gave him a present and he, he gave me these things and I loved seeing him walk around in, around my village and, and then he disappeared. He moved out of the village and I was heartbroken. And is that like imagination filling in the blanks there with that? Like the game is giving you a little bit of feedback. It's giving you some visual stimulation about these relationships. But in your mind, you're building up these characters to be even more yeah, than but, what you know, they are. It, it, it's, it's, there, there's some of that, but there's also just the, you know, fuck it, I don't want to talk to anyone, I'm going to go catch insects today. Yeah. You know, and the thing is, you know, ultimately, um, that's why I like sandbox stuff, because, you know, I don't always want to do chores for people, you know, sometimes I just want to, <laughs> you know, dig up, just you know, dig up trees, fossils, yeah, animals, dig know? up fossils, you know, work on my fossil collection, <laughs> just give me some options, you know. <laughs> well you can take animal crossing with you then okay and um talking of simulated sort of community um uh, the next game we're going to talk about has a sort of side game to the main quest about that and uh i'm wondering if that fits into the decision making as to why you chose it or because of you know the huge rpg that this game is in terms of like the variety of gameplay, you're talking about the little, well. the little, the little game app that they included. Well, no, there is that, but there's also the the building of the the town, rebuilding yeah. the town, oh, yeah, oh, kind of thing. Hundred percent. It, 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 okay. It, that, I mean, well, yeah, absolutely. You're, you know, that's my, you know, we're getting very close to my heart here, <laughs> <laughs> which is really intriguing considering what the the incredible amount of things that you can do else in that game yeah. other than just building yeah. a town, but you know what, actually, which is a side part. I found it very interesting that you pointed out that uh, I did not choose games that uh, really reflect what I do as a career, which is you know this sort of storytelling thing. Yeah, no, yeah. absolutely. It, it's, it's the it, antithesis it, to that, yeah, really. It, it's it's player-driven It's player-driven gameplay, making their own stories, essentially. Mm. Um, systemic gameplay to yeah. a point. yeah. But we're going to listen to some music from Inonze, the wonderful composer, for some very famous Bethesda games. And then we're going to dive into a very unique aspect of one of Bethesda's biggest games in recent times. So let's listen to some music. Let's, of course, dive straight into it.
So jumping into the third game on your list then, Jeremy. And as we mentioned, this game is developed by Bethesda. It was directed by Todd Howard, the very lovely chap that he is. Uh, it was released within a year, I think it was less than a year, six months after its announcement at E3. Um, released in the November of that very same year it was announced at E3. Back in November of 2015. It was the next game in the mainline Fallout series. It's the action role-playing game, Fallout 4. Now, Yay. this game does have very story-driven RPG elements. Mm. Make your own choices, do all that kind of thing. Yeah, poorly done, but I might poor, say. Oh, well, you okay, know, I mean, it did not poorly give Poorly done. I, I was very troubled by the fact that it, it did not really give you the option to be a bad guy. Ah, I mean, seriously. Okay. I mean, really? Can't be a bad guy in that world? I'm, I'm, I'm you know, I'm walking around crunching like, you know, hypodermic needles under my feet, you know, in this world. <laughs> you know? So I, in terms of you picking this game, then, are we, are we, are we looking at the side stuff that you can do? The, the town building? Well, yeah. I mean, fortunately, it? it was big enough that, you know, you could do really nasty stuff like, you know, force this old woman to take drugs and stuff like that, which... <laughs> I, you, I, you, get I a, you get a wild <laughs> kick out of. Yeah. Um, so it was did you experiment that, a yeah. lot? I did. Did you experiment a lot with it? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I really enjoy. I I, I really enjoy uh, building these you know these towns. I I just love that kind of freedom. Not only in terms of what I can build, but just allowing me as the game player to indulge in my own. Uh, activities of how i feel that day i mean what i you know if maybe that day i don't want to do anything except pick out different styles of you know like walls for my you know <laughs> i could spend the entire day post-apocalyptic yeah. <laughs> walls <laughs> yes. i spend the whole day just just you know just working on the on on, on the, the actual physical appearance of of these walls you know or these buildings and uh it's a very different thing than uh, running around shooting things and so a game that can um, accommodate such a wide variance in your you know your personal moods is just amazing do you end up building crazy towns do you do you have like set limitations yeah. to yourself or do you end up just like going balls to the wall and building like huge giant towns full of crazy structures and that kind of thing I, what is your kind of style? I think I, I tend towards extravagance in my building. <laughs> A very video game way yeah, of doing it. Yeah. <laughs> so what about Fallout 4 as a game then? Looking at the main game, as you said, it, the, the, yeah, in uh, your, your opinion, the, the game was very poorly done in the, it's no, no, not, not very, choice. not very poorly done. I, I, sh I, oh, I, I should, just a, li just I, a little, I, I, I think that it, 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 it made a, a very bad choice in not uh, allowing you to be a you know an evil character. Really, I mean, okay. it's just the missions that it sent you on forced you into this good arc, if I recall correctly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was, and, and that's the strange thing about this Fallout. It became one that had voice acting for the main character, mm. um, which was the first. So it limited itself almost in that character way yeah it, yeah yeah it gave this storyline where you're trying to save your son which meant you were kind of righteous in your decision making but at the same time if we're talking about a post-apocalyptic world and you've lost your son you would go to great lengths to find your son correct yeah, yeah. which by 
definition would make you kind of do evil things. Yeah, I think that that's a good point. I mean, anyway, who cares? A Fallout Two was one of my favorite games. You know, going, going back, you know, and but it so, didn't. It didn't have town building. <laughs> that's true. It didn't have town building, but it had, especially for a game uh, of the time, it had tremendous flexibility in how you could, uh, you know, play as a character. Yeah, and it was more of a traditional role-playing game yes, and it, uh, than great, these games great, are. Great writing. So we're, you know, going into some some story stuff here. I mean, it's not as if... I, I mean, I'm a big fan of storytelling and text. In fact, I prefer, yeah, okay. I prefer okay. text storytelling over, um, you know... Cutscene-driven. Yes, cutscene-driven. Yeah, you know. Okay. Um, especially heavy-handed, uh, you know, ponderous kind of stuff from people <laughs> who you might know. <laughs> you know? Uh, but I, I, th- I find it really intriguing that, you know, your line of work... Do you play the games that you work on then? If they are these kind of games yeah. that are story driven, cutscene based stuff, it or depend- do, you, are you, it just do you go home and yeah, it just depends do you on the go game. home and you're like, I want to play some town building instead. I don't want to play yeah story driven. It depends. Game. It depends on what the game you're talking about. I mean, yeah, it just depends. Um, but you know, I mean, I grew up uh, playing Zork, man. So it's like you know, <laughs> they have I mean, no storytelling. Yeah. <laughs> It was all gameplay driven, um, and I mean, no, it was all the, it was the, all it was all text driven. Oh yeah, God! Driven, yeah. Don't you don't want to show your age too much, Jeremy? Yeah. Too late. <laughs> but talking about gameplay, pure gameplay standpoints, then and k- killing time in a very different way, a more sort of strategic way, is a series that we're going to talk about next. Is one I've never played. I've played. Sid Meier's ah, games. Yeah. I've obviously played Civilization and I love those types of games, but I've never got into the, this next series. And once again, you, you didn't specifically choose one. You, you, there is multiple in this series. So I'm very intrigued. To what, know Pirates? Which... Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. I, oops. Just stepped on that headline. But uh, yeah, no, I didn't realize there was multiple <laughs> ones. I mean, for me, there's... Yeah, there are, there are, there are, there's quite a few different editions of this game. Really? Well, okay. Well, yeah. you know, assume I mean the original. You know, I mean, I've played. Okay. I've played uh, on on my my Mac. You know, I've played, I guess, more updated ones, but it, they're still essentially the original one. There's there's, there's not much. <laughs> the, the Genesis, the Genesis moves through them. We can say. Yeah. But let's listen to some music from that series. Oh. Okay. And of course, we we wouldn't want to begrudge. Sid Meier's Pirates, it's music before we Not great talk music, about it, yeah. would we? <laughs> so let's listen to some wonderful music from the next game. And let's, of course, dive straight into it, wondering what it is. <laughs> Thank you. 
So jumping into the next game then, of course it being Sid Meier's Pirates. It's a video game created by the one and only Sid Meier, who's gone on to do incredible games such as Civilization. The original game that we're talking about was released back in 1987. It was developed by Microprose. Yeah. And it released on the Amiga, the Apple II, the Atari ST, the Commodore 64, Mac, yeah. Amstrad, even the NES and the Sega Genesis. Yeah. I think I played it, it was, from like I played it from a tape, you know. It was like it was like a, <laughs> it was like a tape. Wasn't didn't the Mac version have black and white graphics as uh, well? Oh shit, yeah. I yeah. I mean, I was on a. I think I I had I had some kind of a PC, you know, back then a uh, NES something or something. I don't know what it was, but um, yeah. I mean, we're talking about you know. I mean, this you know. It had like magnetic tape drives, this fucking thing that I was playing that. So. <laughs> so Pirates is, you know, it's a single player open world game, open world in quotes for 1987. Um, and this is, what is this then? Is this Killing Time or is this just like it, a sort of old know, favorite? It's, uh, it, I, I think that all of these things have something, you know, in common, which is that they allow you to inhabit a world, you know? And um, the graphics do not represent a an obstacle or a hindrance to the free flow of your imagination. Although, you know, for sure, Fallout Four doesn't fit into that. But, um, but yeah, it's yeah, just it's just true. it's just a very big world, and you know, um, it's got uh, different ways that you can approach uh, your goals, or actually, not even have goals. You can just you know. You can be a pirate. You can zip around on a sloop, you know, with only, you know, 16 guns. Or you can go for one of these big giant, you know, 100, you know, gun barges, you know, and just blast people out of the water. And it's, you know, choose different ways of playing the game. Or um, you can choose to be good with a sword or good with a gun or, you know, good with, you know, dancing, you know, dance to you know, marry the good looking woman from Spain or, you know what I mean? There's just, there's just enough different stuff that you can approach it in different ways. And when you're playing it, it kind of, cause you got to map, you got to see here, you know, you're, you're on a ship and you're, you're, you're looking at these primitive graphics, take you over the, over the seas, you know? And yeah. really minutes go by when you might not even see another ship. I mean, no one would ever do that in a video game now. There's just nothing to do. You're just sitting there and your ship's just going east or southeast and the wind's blowing and, you know, you don't see, you know, you don't see another ship for like, you know, minutes. What the hell was he, you know, what was he thinking? Nothing like that could ever possibly be done in the game now, you know, but if you're, you know, if you're like, uh, you know, kind of high and, you know, <laughs> which you will be, which, which I will be line. right. You know, uh, sipping on a coconut drink. I can't think of, uh, you know, maybe I, I don't want to pay complete attention to a game. I just want to, you know, it's like having... Do they, does, it's does like, Sid's games fit into the, the Molyneux absolutely. space? Oh, yeah, for absolutely. You? Absolutely. Do you think their line of thinking about video games comes from the time or just them as creators themselves? For the limitations they had at the time, that was the way they were forced to think about video games. Or no, is it more about no, those two being two of the most yeah. famous game designers for certain reasons? No, I think that represents their philosophy. 
you know, of play rather than the limitations. I don't think that you say, I think that they had enough, you know, technical stuff to, to work with that they didn't say, you know, maybe like back in the days of Atari, what kind of thing can I build with just three pixels in a, you know, no, they were like, know. Sid, Sid wasn't <laughs> sat there and he was like, do you know what? We can't have the player see another ship for five minutes because we can't actually fit another ship on the screen. Or was uh, yeah. it more of, this yeah. is a conscious decision to have the player just enjoy sailing on the seas. Well, because uh, it's not just sailing on the seas. It's uh, it's putting you in a mindset of, if you're playing a, an RPG or if you're, My job as a creator, a creator's job is to to place you within this world. And you can place you within this world by telling you texturally, te- through text, that you are this character. You okay. Can, you can create a full motion video which shows you, you know, really elaborate details of the hair of the person that you are. Or you can create something which is evocative of that world. And in this case, sailors would you know, travel for long, long periods of time with nothing happening. But as a side benefit, when you, when, when, when nothing happens for a long time, when that strike does happen, you know, like you're, you're watching your, your bobber while you're fishing, you know, you ever fish? Yeah. You ever fish? You know, I fished yeah. when I was younger a lot. Yeah. And you got one of these bobbers in the water and you know, it's just, you're just watching the, the waves lap at it and you see a little bit of red, a little bit of white, a little bit of red, a little white, a little red. Oh, there's more red, you know? <laughs> and it's like, it's not a, it's not a real thrilling thing, but what could be no. more thrilling, you know? And so it's this, it's this uh, contrast between sensory deprivation and sensory overload. And when you overload someone by showing, you know, the hair graphics or the boob graphics, you can't go back. I mean, you just can't keep going, going up and up and up and up. You gotta, you know, you gotta work on the. Lip. You gotta retract a little. You gotta bit retract a little, pull back. Let the yeah. player give. Let the player think about it themselves a little bit. Yeah. Give give them a chance to think about: Is the fish gonna come now? Yeah, is the, exactly. Is the fish coming now? Yeah, and the and she'll come and, anytime and, soon. And relax. What, you what know? is the fish doing? relax in between the excitement you know enjoy yourself you know look at the waves you know listen to the listen to the birds you know it's not all about the action it's about the spaces between the action and that's something japanese have always understood very well very much speaks negative space you know of course negative space indeed so you're going to be happy chilling on your tropical island sailing the seas then quite quite happy captain jeremy yeah quite happy (laughs) (laughs) the next game then i think is the one that maybe it's a little surprising it's not i wanted to throw i wanted to throw one in there that would actually give me you know more some pure joy yeah just just game joy gameplay joy and i mean i can't think of anything better to be honest so let's listen to some incredible music because the this specific mario game has some wonderful music Of course, let's dive straight into it.
So what intrigued me about the next choice on your list, Jeremy, I, I, you were throwing something in there, as we found out now, for the sort of pure joy aspect of playing the game, the, having some gameplay. Mm. But it's a game you've never played before. That's true, but I'm just such a big fan of Nintendo, you know, especially lately, you know. Oh, of course. <laughs> you know, this, this Labo thing came out and I said, God damn it, you know, I knew I loved these guys and I love them more now than ever, you know. Because it's intriguing considering this is the kind of the only Nintendo game on your on your list. There are games that feature on a yeah. console, but yeah. it's the only it's true. pure Nintendo game. It's true, but how many I mean Yeah. In terms of if, if gameplay, if you just want pure gameplay, I could, I, I, there, there I could have put a lot. I could have to be honest yeah. with you, I could have put a lot of Nintendo games on there, but um I think that the time killing just just won just just won me over. Just there. won you over. Yeah. Um well, I mean, if we're going to take any sort of game to, I don't know how to describe it, to sort of symbolize Nintendo's joy in what mm, they make, mm. um, this next game does a very good job of that. Yeah. It was developed by Nintendo EAD Tokyo, and um, it released back in 2010 for the Wii. It is the sequel to Super Mario Galaxy. It's, of course, the platforming giant game that is Super Mario Galaxy 2. Jeremy, yeah. tell me what you know about Mario Galaxy 2 and what, considering you haven't played it, so we can't really, yeah, I, mean, the thing, I can tell yeah. you why I like it, but what is it about Galaxy 2 that instead of taking a game that you know and love from Nintendo, you're, you're banking on a, on a game you've never played before. So what is it that looking at it excites you about playing? Liam, to be honest with you, I've, I've never actually made a an easy transition into 3D playing, you know? I Okay. When, when you grew up playing 2D as I did, and I was a good game player. But the brain gets less flexible as you get old, and and it's not easy <laughs> to transition into an entirely new dimension. So this is the ultimate challenge. Yeah, really. it's it's challenging. But uh, for me, you know, the all the things that made uh, Super Mario, the Mario world, you know, so great for me, and and um, Miyamoto, you know, his conception of his role as a, um, it's just so perfect. I mean. His whole, you know, way of viewing games and the world is just so, it's so beautiful and, and so true. I mean, it's so pure. And Nintendo is so pure, despite, you know, probably being kind of assholes as a company, you know. And naive. Difficult to, yeah. They're very naive. Well, you know, and, and when we talk about this direction that Sony went into when the CD, you know, Nintendo exemplifies the other direction, which is to stay with the joy of, of playing, you know, like children play. And that's why I love Labo so much. Sounds like I'm doing a fucking advertisement, but I was so thrilled when that came out. I was just like, <laughs> you know, they, they totally get it. I mean, just let us play. And that's, you know, what all my sandbox adventures are about, just playing. Just give me a place to play in and don't tell me the story. But, uh, you know, I just don't want to be told the story. And it's like, this is true uh, in terms of, um, yeah, I think all my, you know, my taste in, in, in different, you know, things, books or movies and, and whatnot. I, I just don't like heavy handedness and I don't like um, sanctimony and I don't like, you know, these kinds of things. You know, I just want to play. I just want to be given a an alternate world to escape in. So how do you think you're going to get on with Mario, uh, Super Mario Galaxy 2 then? This game Just, that you know, just throw me in there and just let me, just let me run around. I mean, you know, 
I, I got, are you a little? Are you a little? I'm apprehensive. By the... I, I, I am. I am. But you know, that's part of the, uh, because I've got a lot of time on this island, you know, and so I'm not really you worried. Do. You know, uh, you know, I might. Do die. you trust? Do you trust Nintendo I, to I complete, deliver this experience for you? I completely trust Nintendo to deliver this experience. Yeah. So you didn't fancy putting Labo on the list then? I'm you, didn't fancy, uh, <laughs> you didn't fancy taking some cardboard boxes with you? Well, maybe, yeah, I could build a boat with that, but... Uh... <laughs> I told you, you're not getting off this oh, island. <laughs> no matter how quirky of a cardboard box yeah, you've got on you. okay, here. okay. So, yeah, so no, Super Mario Galaxy would... You know, in fact, the, the, the challenge would, would only extend the gameplay, so it's fine, you know. It's a, uh, you know... I don't feel like the stakes are so big. Like I, I can't play um, something like um, what is that uh, Capcom game, the uh, Lost Souls or whatever that, the uh, the really hard one. Oh, uh, the uh, Namco Bandai Dark Souls. Game. Pardon me, Dark, Dark Souls. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah. I, I, I played that some of that with my son. You know, he's twenty one. You know, and he's he's so good. You know, he's so good. At it. <laughs> but I just can't. It is. Uh, he's in his prime. He's in his prime. You know, I was there, son, too. But. I can't play it. It's too stressful for me. The the you know the uh, <laughs> just want to smoke this is why, weed. Yeah, I just want to smoke weed. Play and Mario I, that's, why, that's why my favorite genre of games are are turn based strategy games. Even though it's funny, I don't actually have any turn based strategy games on this. But the reason that I don't is because uh, you can't make a turn based strategy game that isn't ultimately uh, too short lived. I mean the. You really? You think a game like Civilization, you you uh, would get to a point where you wouldn't want to play I, that I've played I've played so much Civilization that I can tell you, you do get to that point eventually. <laughs> you know, I, mean, I, I go back to it, you know, I go back to it, but... Um, so this island for you is less of a... It's less about the games and taking the games. It's more about just... Okay, I'm going to an island and I'm yeah, going to use these games as a tool. A pattern for my. To, yeah, yeah. To play with my imagination. Stave off the insanity for yes. a few more years. <laughs> You've got it. You've got it. You've got it. But Mario Galaxy is the one where you're like, do you know what? Sometimes I need a break from. From, yeah, yeah. Thinking about being a pirate or thinking about creating a house in Minecraft or something like that. I just want to yeah. have some fun. This yeah. is my hobby. Yeah, yeah. And it's a beautiful game. Um, Great music. Yeah. Yeah, it's, you know, it's almost like if you could only pick one game, you might pick that. You know what I mean? Because it's it's just a game. I mean, there is pure... a lot of Nintendo games that can fit into that yeah, category. Yeah, it's true. Sure. Yeah, there are. there are. They are a very special, very special company. And I, I love talking about this aspect of video games. As people who know, who regularly listen to the show and stuff like that. This is very much my way of thinking as well. Mm. They're, they're sort of going to that. Although I think Sony do great work and the stuff they've done with the PlayStation 4 after the sort of mess that was the PlayStation 3, they've done an incredible job of opening up their toy box of mm. video game styles. Mm. Mm. Whereas Nintendo, everyone has gone from the highs of Nintendo to people betting against them during times of the mm. Wii U and that mm. kind of stuff. Yeah. But they always come up and they come up with these incredible inventions of, look at Mario Odyssey, look at Breath of the Wild, two series of video games that have gone on for 30 plus years, have, have been iterated on and iterated on. Mm. They've come up with two incredibly different and wonderful games that capture imagination and allow people to just play pure gameplay that is really enjoyable but then on top of that 
they're like, oh, we haven't... It's not enough for us to create this inventive console for you to play on that has multiple playstyles. How about we integrate yeah. that yeah. with our imagination of building stuff, too? Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Because, you know, I what what, are they, what do they call, like, uh, in the drug world, you know, like heroin addicts chasing the dragon, you know? You're chasing this high, you know, you're chasing... And you need more and more and more and more to get you, you know, high and stuff like this. And this is like what it is with graphics, you know. But um, Nintendo has got this really solid uh, philosophy that uh, it isn't about the technical. It's you can't keep running after the, the the technical things and chasing more polygons, you know. It's about a style. Yeah, it's about a. It's about iterating a, a style each time, and like Breath yeah. of the Wild has a style. It looks mm. a certain way. It feels a certain way. But the next Zelda game could be completely different. Mm. It could be, you know, a a, a pixel art two D hark back to the a link to the past on mm. the three DS or something. Mm. Like it, but it'll still have the same genesis of that style of gameplay. That pure imagination driven mm. adventure. Mm. Um, which I definitely think is Nintendo's, you know, their... <laughs> it's their way. That's yeah. their way. Yeah. It's their speciality, yeah. as it puts. And that's just the games they make. I mean, Nintendo have been commented on so many times. It's almost faux pas to continually praise Nintendo for what they do. Mm. But they do it so well. Mm. And that's why it happens. Mm. And I'm going to... I'm very intrigued to sort of come back to the island myself to see how you're getting along and see how <laughs> see how you're getting on with Super Mario Galaxy 2 and see see if you've thrown it in the water yeah. you're like fuck this game or you the, the yeah. faith that you have in Nintendo has yeah. been proven correct I, I might not actually play it that much <laughs> just dip in now <laughs> and again I, I, I want it to be there though you know in case I want to play it just to look at Mario yeah. on the front cover. I think <laughs> I, I think though ultimately uh I'd spend a lot of time playing our next game. Okay. Well, I'm very intrigued because this is another one where you just put the title. Yeah. Uh, uh, it wasn't doesn't a matter. It's an idea. It's an idea. It's an idea. Yeah. Once again, it's an idea. Uh, but you specifically said you play, spend a lot of time playing this game. So I'm intrigued yeah. to know which one you played the most of. Yeah. So let's jump into the next game with some very charming and wonderful little music from this series. And that's, of course, dive straight into it. So jumping into the next game, and uh, this this next game has gone through multiple different paths, and it's had a lot of 
different games in the series and and now a lot of people get confused because it has one name and then now it has another name because of the the two different companies that are sort of fighting over it and but it's as you said it's kind of an idea and we saw a game called stardew valley came out which was a, a game inspired by this series that did incredibly well so considering what this game is and what the series does and allows the player it's in, it, i find it incredible that it has such a almost rabid fan base of people there are millions of people who play this kinds of games and i guess the idea is time killing and enjoying the charm of this kind it, of life i don't that's know, I, I don't agree I, I i don't think it's the time killing i think the time killing is a side benefit Okay, it's okay. a side bet to this the game is life a, that you'll This leave. game is a pure injection of one of the things that makes video games work psychologically for us. Okay, so the original game was released for the Super Nintendo back in 1996, actually. It was quite late in the Super Nintendo's lifetime. It was developed by Amicus, which was a company that had Yasuhiro uh, Wada who I actually met a couple of years ago, a very mm. nice chap, uh, published by Natsume, one of the companies responsible. In Japan, it released as Bok- uh, Bokujo Monogatari, but in mm. English, we know it as Harvest Moon. Mm. Now, yeah. Jeremy, you specifically, obviously, once again, said, not a specific game, but an idea. Yeah. But can you tell me, mm. considering you can only take one physical copy of a game, mm. which physical copy of Harvest Moon would you take? I'll take the first one. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> the 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 sort of blase <laughs> nature. I, I'm looking I, at you here. You're just kind of like, oh, I don't care. <laughs> honestly, because the thing is, like I like I said, it 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 really isn't. Uh, it isn't the differences between these. It's the commonality between these things that is representative of the idea. And so, in chasing this game, I'm chasing this relationship between discipline and reward okay you know and um it sounds funny counterintuitive almost to talk about playing and to require someone to live this sort of discipline <laughs> the disciplined life that is required in order to have a successful farm <laughs> playing as a farmer yeah i mean you're it's a <laughs> I mean, it's hard work. You have to be really, really busy and efficient in your time. I mean, even, you know, baking bread and gathering ingredients, you know, you just have to treat it like like, like a professional, like it's your job. And you've got no time to even question, why am I, you know, why am I doing these things? Is it, am I, am I working to live or am I living to work? You know, <laughs> what, what am I doing? So, so what it is it? That you get out of Harvest Moon, then is it the building of the farm, or is it? Some people just enjoy doing the chores of it. Just they love the chopping down of the crops. Or is the, that what they love, Liam? Is that really what they love? What are they? Well, I, what is I the mechanism reading, going on here? I was reading. I was reading Jason Schreier's from Kotaku's Blood, Sweat, and Pixels recently. Yeah, and there is a chapter on Stardew Valley. Yeah, and um, Eric Barone, who made Stardew Valley, speaks about the time he met Wadasan. Mm. And, um, it's very you know, Japanese, you know. Let me just say though, you know, this is a very Japanese conception very, of how to yeah, live and play. Absolutely. You know? yeah. But he met he met Watasan, and obviously he was a huge Harvest Moon fan. And meeting Watasan, even though 
Eric with Stardew Valley had been wildly more successful than Wadasan in terms of financial success and the popularity of what Stardew Valley became. But, you know, meeting him was like meeting his hero. Mm. And he was reflecting on what Wadasan did in the game. And all Wadasan did was chop down crops. He didn't didn't care about anything else. He just cleared his farm and chopped it down. He cared more about the mundane chores than the building of the farm. And he's the creator of Harvest Moon. So Mm. I, I, I imagine there are some people out there who must enjoy the repetitive nature of the tasks. Hmm. Wait, what, what are you saying? He only chopped down... What, what was this he only... He, so when when uh, Eric, the guy who created Stodgy Valley, showed Wadasan the game and he allowed him to play for a few hours, ah. Wadasan had no interest in progressing ah. <laughs> in his farm. He had no interest in talking to people, the, the people he could date or anything. He just cleared his farm. He... He grew some crops and chopped them down, and he did it again. He 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 did it again. Mm. He he was more focused on doing the the chore part of the the game, the actual far, the mm. farm part. Yeah. The less of the oh, I need to get this so I can make the money or I can, oh, I can yeah, yeah. achieve this aspect of the game. Yes, yes, there there are those, and uh, I totally get that. Is that you? Yeah, I think or, it is. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. it's a kind you of. Liked- um, you know, uh, when I was living in the states, I had a pool. You know, in the backyard. You know, terrible pain in the ass pool. I don't don't ever don't ever get a house with a pool. I mean, you know, <laughs> it's a terrible mistake. You know, but uh, I, I live in Japan. There is no there is no hope. I know. I, on, I, I, hell on I don't, earth I don't, that anyone in Japan. I don't has have a, pool. a clot of dirt to my name here. But um, back then, I had a big backyard and uh, and a pool. And uh, it's a terrible pain in the ass. But there is this place you can reach. When you're cleaning the leaves out of the pool and you're striving to get the water blue, you know, which and clear, clear and yeah. blue, right? Which is, you know, it takes some work. You got to get the pH right and you got to, you know, do all these things right, you know? <laughs> Something like that is what you find in playing uh, in this this game in this way. It's a sort of... <laughs> I absolutely sort of... get that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that is a fantastic analogy, I think. Yeah. <laughs> It's just, it's like the, it's like, in Japanese, the the word is keppeki, which is a fastidious, fastidiousness to a kind of, uh, you know, sick degree. To achieve something through hard work. Well, it's somewhere between being fastidious and being, um, you know, like mentally ill, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And, you you know, you're, you're, you're never quite comfortable until you clean that last bit of lint off your sweater. But then when you do, you feel quite good. You and, feel good. Yeah. Yeah. It's it, and knowing it's, that you're, I get you're, it. I can, get yeah, it. I, I, mean, I can yeah, understand. Knowing that you're running your shit well. I hate, I hate cleaning, but, but like, you know, I, yeah. when, when I start, I get into it, I listen to music yeah. and I just zone out and I do it. And then, when I step into my clean shower yeah. and have a shower, right, it's a great feeling. It's the feeling. pure it's, feeling of that. It's like it's, it's the, such a it's good that, feeling. It's that drug. It's whatever that neurotransmitter is, and it's <laughs> you know it's 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 just boiled down to its pure essence and then injected directly into your veins, and that's that's Harvest Moon. I get it. Okay. I I I, <laughs> I absolutely get it. I can understand as someone who I enjoy these games for shortly mm. i enjoy, i don't i don't dislike them i i don't tend to think about them 
But when I play them, I'll play them not for the, I would say, average length, which people play these games for, because I think the average for these types of games is really high, Yeah. considering the, the sort of style of game they are. I'll play for a while, I'll get my first few crops, but then it will get to a point where the reward is not worth the grind, almost. Because because the reward for you is not the reward for me. The reward for me is the is the work I, itself. Okay. You know, I don't yeah. need that. And and it was thing thing to water. He didn't need that money. That's for that's no, for no, you. That's for you guys who really don't want. You know, don't aren't in the same place emotionally. You know. <laughs> I feel like a. A disgusting capitalist pig now. But isn't it interesting I, uh, that you know I've got I want these... my farm to turn a profit. <laughs> but I've got these sandbox games, and then I've got this like you know this like you know Nazi with a whip game. You it, know? It, they still kind of fit into the same feeling. Do they? They're not that they they invoke the the feeling of working towards something like mm. in minecraft work building something you're working towards an end product mm. that is of your imagination and even in harvest moon you can you can decide certain things that are you as a person yeah. build a certain uh, you know specialize in a certain type of bread build a certain type of farm that produces a certain type of right right, right, like, right that kind right, of thing right. there is there is an aspect to it of Working towards a goal that fits you as a person, yes, and the yes. hard work along the way is something you enjoy. You enjoy the process, and then you get that nice little clean pool at the end, that kind of thing. You know, there's there's a real kind of poetic elegance to these all these eight games that I chose. I think it's. I guess there is. I guess this is me. You know, <laughs> as we said, you know, the island's less about playing games and more about discovering more about, who we are. More about yeah, yeah more about the imagination of yeah. p- passing the time there. Yeah. Well, I'm well. I'm very intrigued to know when the next game fits in. Then. Well, the next game is just absolutely emblematic of of, uh, and, and I will say that this game brought me back into games when I'd been oh, wow. I'd been absent for quite some time, raising children and and just working on translating games. You know, yeah, I had lost touch with my game playing self. Gamer. You know, I mean, <laughs> I never really stopped playing games on the computer, but I did stop playing console games for quite some time. Okay. Until well, this I've, baby came out. Until this baby came out. This baby's come out a lot. Um, once again, we're going to listen to some wonderful music from a Bethesda game. We're going to dive straight into one of the one of the most re-released games ever. It's been released a heck of a lot in recent times. So let's listen to this music and let's dive into the penultimate, the second to last game on Jeremy's list.
So jumping into the second to last game on Jeremy's list then, and we're revisiting Bethesda, another game directed by Todd Howard. Um, along a very similar vein to the Fallout series, the, the 3D <clears throat> Fallouts, that <clears throat> is for sure. Uh, as Jeremy was mentioning, this game sort of brought him back into console gaming, to gaming itself a little bit. And this game was a smash hit. There is no doubt about it. It's one of the highest selling games of all time. One of it put, although Bethesda had released Fallout 3 and they'd had Oblivion, they'd had these incredible games. This game just brought Bethesda to a worldwide, huge audience of players. It's, of course, the action role-playing game that's been released countless times on the PC, the PlayStation 3, the Xbox 360, the, the 4, the Xbox One, the Nintendo Switch, and even VR now. It is, of course, the Elder Scrolls V Skyrim. I think it must be. I think it must be one of the greatest games ever. I mean, I you know. I, I find this really intriguing to people who choose Skyrim on the list. I don't get me wrong. Skyrim's a great game, and I think it's very, very good. But a lot of people hold this game in such high regard, mm. and you think and I, not deservedly so. Not, not, not deservedly. But there, are, I, I feel like there are games that do do what it does, but better. Tell me, I'll buy it. I feel like, for what I look in this type of game, like an RPG, like an open world RPG, okay. yeah. there's a lot of repetitiveness in Skyrim. The 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 text, the the characters with the same voices, the way mm. they look aesthetically, mm. it's all snowy mountains. <laughs> yeah. And comparing it to like a game like The Witcher Three, for example. Uh, but you know, for the, me, the it's Witcher... more of a lived-in world. I don't want to be that fucking white-haired. Elric of Melnibony looking motherfucker. You know? <laughs> I guess it's what I look for in look for in a fantasy RPG. I like the oh, we're going back to it. I guess the you know I like the 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 story of a world. Oh, okay, like yeah. So I'm, just not I'm, I just... a, I'm a fan of lore, I guess. I see. And Skyrim doesn't really have any lore. It has dragons, and that's it. I just did not feel that I can inhabit a character that I did not create. Do you truly create a character in Skyrim, though? I mean, you're, you, there's yeah. this whole backstory that you're on, you're on a you're about to be executed. So there's there's yeah. something going on with the characters. True. Past. I mean that, and you you very limitedly can make them look like some form of the animal or human. Yeah. Well, okay. And I mean, yes. You give yes. it a name. It it, yeah. has, it 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 is limited, but compared with Witcher Three, I mean, yes, you know, it's, it's not a it's not a silent protagonist. You know, the yeah. Witcher, you know, Geralt isn't a silent protagonist too. And you know, and and doesn't and, have a name. Know, and furthermore, the flexibility with which you can approach the gameplay. Yes, choosing these, I would, you know, mm. it's it 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 gives you it gives you a pretty wide range of you know things to do. And uh, talking about my son again, I mean, you know, he played he played this game. Just to uh, just an insane degree. Uh, I mean, more he did, than you. I mean, he, by the end like of this game, this he's he's rolling around with no armor, killing things with forks. You know, killing like giants <laughs> with one you know one strike with a fork. You know, you know, inhabiting you know multi you know these mansions with you know this is my cheese room and this is my you know the cheese room. You should have seen his cheese room. Something to behold. And I just think, so tell me about you then. Like, so I, you said this brought you yeah. back. How did this bring you back then? What was it well, so, that I'm, was so you know, special about it? Because I've always been, first of all, I'm, 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 I played Dungeons and Dragons, you know. So yeah. genre-wise, it was everything I wanted. Well, well, not everything I wanted, but it was, it was, it was in my wheelhouse, you know. 
genre-wise, you know, with the armor and all that stuff. Um, beautiful to look at. So I, as opposed to Fallout 4, it brought me to a good place to inhabit that world. Yes, it's a very beautiful world yeah. to inhabit. Yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, again, the freedom. I mean, you know, I just felt like... Uh, another thing about Fallout 4, uh, physically, you know, when you're moving around, it kind of led you into different directions by having blocked off areas. Whereas Skyrim, you pretty much can just jump over mountains and just wander around. <laughs> you ride a horse yeah, vertically. I mean, yeah. <laughs> you really can just, like, I don't actually want to do anything except just travel. And you can just walk huge distances and just, you know, it's it's all good, you know. I'm going to run away from that. I don't want to face that. I don't, you know. No, I, I'm not going to be your monkey and I'm not going to get into this thing right now. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to so, collect, I'm going to collect forks, you know, <laughs> one fork from every different house. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to be a character that is the fork thief. And I, you know. So comparing Fallout 4 to Skyrim then, yeah. and what you said about the way Fallout 4 was written and the character choices that you can make and that kind of thing. Do you feel like Skyrim does it better? Yes. Does Skyrim allow you to be the bad guy? Yes. Yes. I think so. Into to what aspect? Well, oh, oh, okay. Oh, okay, so the thing is, um, if you play the story of Skyrim, um, you know, go along the, the actual official path of, you know, the scenario path, whatever whatever you call that. Yeah. Then, Killing, uh, what's his name? Parthenax? Yeah, you know. But but to be honest with you, I, I really wasn't into that. I mean, I did it a couple times, but that's not what the essence of Skyrim is for me. For me... I was going to say, Skyrim must be one of the most played games of all time where I imagine the percentage of people who didn't finish the story is so high you think compared so? to yeah. people yeah. who didn't. Which is a tes- testimony to really how how great of a job they did. Uh, in building a world that didn't require that, you know, I I actually didn't want to learn any more damn, you know, dragon breath, whatever the fuck they were. I didn't I didn't want to the be the shouts. A, yeah, I didn't want to. <laughs> I really didn't want to do those things, and so and I and I didn't feel compelled to do so. But in uh, I think in, in Fallout Four, as it as it turns out, you wind up being forced more in in, the, in, in that direction, if if I'm not mistaken, through various. Uh, mechanical limitations imposed upon yeah. you you know at least that's my there's there is definitely more limitation to where you can go in fallout 4 from the immediate like skyrim in yeah skyrim, you can pretty much walk everywhere and you can yeah. go up mountains whereas fallout 4 had a lot of i mean the fallout series had in general a lot of places that were either blocked off by things you had to wait for the right. story to progress right or there were just environmental things that blocked you like in, in fallout 4 there's like that giant area full of poison that you can't yeah. walk through and all yeah. that kind of stuff yeah, yeah. That, that that all that kind of stuff so skyrim uh it was my first sandbox experience really and uh just done so well so it just has what a- kind of weapon what kind of weapons and stuff do you specialize <laughs> in? What, what what do you i mean? i think i'm i'm a i'm a i'm a bow guy a bow guy yeah. in tree. Yeah. Do, you, do you do the whole sneaking around? I do. Using yeah. the eye? Yep. Yep. <laughs> yep, I do. <laughs> Any magic? Any? Sure. I mean, I you know, I, 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 I played entire things as a magician too, as a bow guy. Um, 
but uh, yeah, my 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 son, he just is off the chart playing it. The, how how weird that that kid is. He's, really, <laughs> he's a real he's a real weirdo. He he just took it to just ridiculous extremes. <laughs> you know, I mean, like he, sh- he shamed me. I mean, you know, I'm, I was I was quite conventional. I realized what a conventional old dude I am after watching him, like you know, <laughs> beat a giant. With yeah, a- I mean, he he, he he was just very 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 strange guy. In terms of like the combat, Skyrim gets dogged on a lot because its combat is very uh, disconnected from the player. You know, you mm. are first person or third person if you want, but it's majority player, and you just kind of there's no tactility to it. It's just kind of like a weapon flinging. Yeah, in front of I hear you. Yeah, although um, I actually have another thought about that uh, since you brought up a uh, Witcher. Yeah. Okay. Um... I have a problem in the relationship between uh, character movements and the more complex that they get and are, I think that the problem with video games uh, as they are and have been for, for some time is that along with the technical technological advances that we've gotten and our ability to show, uh, you know, really cool moves and sort of things, we're still restricted as players with a very limited interface and the greater the gap gets between what we're doing in our interface and what the character is doing it creates a kind of a schism a kind of a iwakan as you say in japanese uh, yeah uh, in, so like you in, don't like when you press just one button and the and character does yeah. like 50 moves and Thanks. it's like the character does its own thing and yeah, you, that's you not become me. disconnected from that exactly okay exactly so skyrim yes limited you know, slash, hit, slash, hit. On the other hand, all I'm doing is pressing a button, so I don't really feel justified in doing a whole lot of, you know, spinning, slashy kind of things. You know what That's I mean? Good. I get that. Yeah. I can get that. And even even if it's a little kind of flimsy, Skyrim, like, I, I kind of, I like Skyrim's cover. Like, I kind of like it. It's very, you press a button, it does the thing. I yeah, like it. it does, it does, like it does what I did. So I'm like, I'm okay. But it does, it is flimsy, you know, it's kind of, you know, the, 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 the plastic sword analogy of it, like just waving it in front of your face, yeah, kind of. Yeah, It doesn't feel uh, impactful. There's no... Mm. There's almost I I feel like the magic in Skyrim is very impactful. Like when you shoot a bolt of lightning out of your hand mm, and mm, you know you fry mm, some motherfucker on a snowy mountain. Mm, mm. Whereas with like the the axes and the swords, well, it's true, and even but, the bows, but Liam, there's now, like no impact. But now it. we're going back to um, the original thing, which we which we talked about, which was the imagination. Right? Yeah, the imagination. <laughs> and so maybe it's actually conversely the limitation which allows it to inhabit a place in my mind. Which is not so limited, and the more that okay. you put on the plate, the less I'm. Um, you know, I can get that. Yeah, I I would like to see inside your mind when you play these games. Yeah. Like have like a little visual <laughs> feed. Yeah, from that the, the one of the latest Black Mirror episodes that like yeah yeah picture yeah, where you yeah. can see people's memories. Yeah, <laughs> just see what you're thinking on It'll, and evoking for, what the game's evoking for, in your mind. For me, it goes back to to being you know 14 years old and. 12 years old and playing Dungeons and Dragons, you know. So you don't envy kids these days then with no, their fancy graphics no, at all? No, I do not. You know, when I first played Dungeons and Dragons... I don't either, and I'm 27. <laughs> I played this with my, um, with Meowth. Yeah. Yeah. She was my, my my dungeon master. So you got all those wonderful voices and all that sort of stuff that Man. invoked imagination in you. 
she wrote her own language, you know, I'm actually, I, you know, I, I, I prefer to use the, the pronoun he because that's, you know, most, most of my life, you know, she was my brother. So I more naturally yeah. say he for me, but, you know, he, uh, uh, he, you know, he was like Tolkien, you know, came up with his own, you know, languages and, and, and mythology and did all the voices and, and just was such a rich uh, dungeon master that I was just, and when I first played it, you know, and, and he said, you know, these monsters jumped you know jumped on your back i didn't even know back then i didn't even know what you were what you did i didn't even know that you had to verbalize to attack we didn't even have dice we we had these a uh, paper paper chits in a in a in a glass and you had to pick you had to take <laughs> a paper just... yeah take you know take a chit and it was one two three four you know um and uh there was no you know there was no little this was before anyone had little um, figures on a grid moving them around, you know, you can only move 10 feet per blink. No, it was nothing. It was all imagination and all, you know. I love that. Yeah. It stuck with you ever since. Yeah, uh, stuck with me ever since. And that's why I wanted and, to make games. And it's why I, you know, got into all this. And it was the, the the genesis of everything. And it's even the genesis of, you know, why these are the games that I would choose. Because I just, I just don't want to be told what it is. I want it to, I want to be in there. Like yeah. in you, like this I wanna, is what I, I be, want out of the game. Like I want to be, an, yeah, I want to be an, an inhabitant in 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 a in a well thought out world. They can't steer me wrong if I'm creating half of what's That's right. and, going and, on. And and and, and uh, as an author, it's why I love Tolkien so much because he was a world builder from the bottom up and created a world that you could inhabit outside of the you know character story. There was this world that that was made real. As opposed to top-down world builders, and I cite things like uh, my my very deep and and uh, um, really my 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 deep and 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 endless hatred for for Ryan Johnson and and what he did to Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not I, even going to touch I, that I, one. I burn with the <laughs> with the intensity of a thousand suns in my my hatred for him. <laughs> <laughs> well we'll leave that one for now we'll leave that one for but now. anyway essentially i think that he he did not build worlds he you know he he took the prometheus approach to uh you know to creating the illusion that there are riddles and questions but actually there's no structure and integrity to the world it's flimsy and and there's nothing behind you can't it. believe in the answers yeah the exactly and so feel existence right so just build me just build me the world of the game and let me play around in it and that's what i would choose to do on your island you know oh you're you're challenging me to make my island to fit (laughs) this criterias these criterias of imagination too i feel feel the pressures on for a a storied storyteller like yourself Hmm. but we are going to move into the last game now and it's been such a pleasure talking to you jeremy so i'm very sad to be shipping you off to an island I think you're looking forward to going to, actually. Mm. There are some benefits to going over there that you don't yeah, get here in true. Japan. Yeah, that's true. Uh, as well as, you know, going wild. I don't, have to, I don't have to do taxes anyway. <laughs> but we are going to listen to some music from this last game. And then we're going to dive straight into Jeremy's final game. Thank you. 
So jumping into the final game on Jeremy's list, and it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show today, Jeremy, uh, is another one where you kind of just put a name. Now, yeah, yeah. This series again. I you know I I tried playing this recently, you know, and it actually didn't didn't go over very well. So again, so you, I kind of it, put this. It's an idea rather it's than an idea yeah. because I was going to say you could take some of the latest games in the series, but I don't think you'd want to. No. Because the the controversy surrounding one of the the I think it was 2013 the latest release which was just titled Sim City yeah uh, by EE didn't go down very well I think the first uh, 3D one they did was was pretty good um, was that Sim City 2000 yeah it was 2000 yeah because yeah. that 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 was well received I yeah think. That, was, um, that was good that was a good game so we we can say that you're gonna yeah take Sim City 2000 the, yeah yeah so Sim City 2000 was yeah. developed by Maxis and designed. Of course, by incredible famed game designer Will Wright, a man responsible for the SimCity series and a whole host of other games. And this one was released, you know, on the PC, the Sega set, and the PlayStation, the Nintendo sixty four as well. It's a, it's a, it's a series that has an idea behind it as well. The idea of it is to just create your kind of own city. Your own utopia, almost, if you if you will. Yeah, and You're... yet, and yet, you know, there's actually a lot of responsibility on there because the game doesn't actually let you just. I mean, it doesn't let you. It doesn't really want you to build a failed city or an inefficient city. You know, mm. the the costs of doing so are palpable. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, you, like you get millions of people dying <laughs> yeah, I mean, get, right before your eyes. You get pollution, and people are just unhappy, and they're honking at each other and stuff like this. So you do feel the burden of responsibility for, you know. In, in, in fact, you could say that this is my whole thing turned on its head. Uh, I am now creating the sandbox for other people. You are, and you're under pressure to do so. Mm. Which I think goes away from your very relaxed style yeah. of yeah. imagination. Yeah. So why is it that you're taking SimCity then? Or it's SimCity a kind 2000? Of a, it's a kind of a... Um, the part of me that wants to... I think it's it's somewhat like the Harvest Moon thing. Although Harvest Moon, you know, I can be a, just a drudge worker really and get everything done efficiently. You know, I don't have to engage my intelligence too much, you know. SimCity, I, I need to. I need to really use my brain in a way that I, I don't have to with Harvest Moon. I don't have to be the fastest guy, but I have to think about um, efficient solutions to problems in society. And while I'm here on this island, and you know, I just don't know how things are going in the real world. You know, I, uh, I think. I still don't want to abandon all of my responsibility towards the human race. And this would be my way of manifesting that, uh, that aspect of myself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's really interesting. Cause I'd be like, fuck the responsibility. I'm on my own. There's nothing I can do about it. Yeah. You guys are just yeah, on most, your own. Most of my stuff is that, you know, I almost chose Populous and, uh, you know, this kind of, I was going to say there is yeah. no more in you. Yeah. Po Populous, Populous was on the original list, but I had to, I, you know, I had like 10 games, so I had to wean it down there. So what what is it about Populous then? Because that, that has some responsibility. Oh, you know? yeah, but to be a god. I mean, seriously, you know, I mean. You, I Sim think City, you're still a god. No, nah, you're a fucking bureaucrat, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, you're like at the, like, 
you know, energy department, you know. No, it's, you know, <laughs> not a fun job. But no, Populous, yeah. Or Warmonger, you know, if you remember that one. <laughs> That's beyond me, that one. I mean, that doesn't sound very much like you, though, a warmonger. No, I mean, you know, it's 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 more, it's it's essentially like populous, and uh, you know, so this game, this game plan that I wrote with my friend that we submitted to Kojima, it was populous. It was SimCity. It was uh, working both on the macro and the micro. Little missions that you could take on um, with, uh, you know, we were going to have different characters like an electrician who has got to put the electricity back together. Uh, and the two cities, you know, being the dark city and the, the good city, you know, choosing two different play styles. Um, you know, do we work on the electricity? Do we build weapons? Do we, you know, and then so you've got the game building it on a macro scale. You could pull back. And look at it in a SimCity sort of way, or you could run little missions as an electrician, and then gain, you know, put it, put the power back on, put the yeah. uh, infrastructure back in there, make citizens happy by having building a library, or do you, you know, top down like heavy handed, you know, Nazi stuff, you know, just make a strong. <laughs> so yeah, that's what I just hard <laughs> ruling the country. Yeah, so that's what I wanted to build as a game. I didn't really see any way to get there. But it would be what I would want to build, even to this day. Would you have taken it to the island? Oh yeah. Once you ask me, <laughs> once you ask me, what games uh, I translated that are the closest to? Mm, so, did you do stuff like that? I imagine you obviously had like, oh please, please write the menus or the text boxes with this game, because those games don't derive beyond that for localization so did you actually do work on games similar to that similar to to these uh kinds of things yeah yeah i mean like uh i would say that the the, the number one uh the closest one probably would have been uh dark cloud 2 okay yeah i can see that, that a little bit yeah dark cloud 2 you know it's got the uh, the, the world building sort of Right, you've got fishing in there. Yeah, right? you know? yeah. You got these different so things. You've you got do. the daily life stuff. Yeah, the, the yeah. life. Yeah, I mean, my kids played. Do you know how much my kids played Dark Cloud too? It's a, it's a, I've... it's a sin how much they played Dark Cloud too. And it's, a, they it's must have I'm played... imagining a little bit before their time as well. They grew up. They grew up playing it. You know, they they must have wow, played. Okay. They must have played three hundred hours of that of that thing. And they they still I've still got the original thing, uh, and they they still they still <laughs> play it from time to time. Just get a kick out of it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Great game, Dark Cloud Two, and uh, yeah. Well, you're not going to be taking Dark Cloud Two with you, but you are going to be taking SimCity 2000, and you're going to be taking these eight wonderful games that you've chosen with incredibly philosophical and poetic reasons behind them, which has been just an utter pleasure to listen to, Jeremy. So thank you so much. For this has on the been show the today. best uh, podcast, the most pleasurable podcast I've ever done. I'm so glad you think so, because it's been an absolute pleasure having you on and. This is the kind of thing that the show is all about. It's all about this positive feeling about really thinking deep down of, as you as a person and a creator about just what it is about the, the certain aspects of video games that you latch onto. What it, is important about video games a, for it, you? It's a very good, can... it's a very clever uh, format that you've thought of here. And uh, I think it's just brilliant to not focus on really creators' achievements, but to get to... Um, 
I mean, you, could, you definitely yeah. you definitely find out more about a creator yeah. or a person when you ask them to analyze something they love. Yeah, because you because you, you you find like we have, and I think all the listeners would agree. We found out a lot about you as a person through this. Mm. Your 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 ability to focus intently on like building your own worlds within your head out of the small clay that you get given to you by certain games. Mm. I think it's very interesting. And especially when you reflect on, you know, the line of work that you do and what you've done in the past and how this kind of inspiration from people like Peter Molyneux and the idea of giving the player imagination or personality is what led to some of the most, although Kojima won't, like it too much mm. um the the lines that you added into certain games and the, the stuff that people you know will quote at you in the street because they wouldn't have existed if you didn't have that sort of imagination driven so i think it has been an absolute pleasure having you on the show jeremy so thank you so much it's been a pleasure thank you but there is one thing i have to ask you before you go ah. and it's the same question i have to ask everyone before they leave and that's we talk about games a lot on final games of course but games are very important in the aspect of how we play them, how we receive them through the tactile controllers we're holding our hands and the interfaces in which we experience. And, you know, you're going to take eight games with you. But if you could only take one console with you, hmm. you can't take PC because PC is every console. Okay. You can emulate everything. Yeah. But if you could only take one console with you that's given you the the experiences or, you know, the games that you love the most, if you only take one console with you thinking of the back catalog okay. that it has on it, yeah. what would you take with you? Um, The Sega. Sega, Which Gen- one? The- Sega Genesis. Okay, so the Mega Drive for Mega me. Mega Drive, yeah. Genesis for you. Yeah. Excellent. Well, what, tell me some games that you'd be playing on the Mega Drive. Oh, I'd be playing Masters of Monsters. Um, I'd playing military madness you know i mean can i play like every game on there uh, instead you, you of eight games the I got, yeah so yep. it's, it's got plenty of stuff i mean i'd, I'd be i'd be <laughs> i'd be playing you know john madden football i'd be you know i'd be i'd be i'd be digging all that stuff i'd be, shit, I'd be playing sonic i'd you know it's got it all it had it, it it it's got plenty the graphics are plenty good for me i'd be playing that rome game that centurion's a rome game so it's with got a, with a it's disgusting graphics yeah, with, the, with the horrible <laughs> graphics, but just great. Um, I'd be playing, uh, you know, Nobunaga's Ambition. Oh, that's a good game. Yeah, I mean, it's it's got it all. It's got it's got um, it's got every genre of games, and everything that I need is is right there on the on the Sega. Well, you can take it with you, and you can take the eight games that you've chosen, and just before you leave us to go to your wonderful haven of an island. Uh, tell the wonderful listeners where they can find you online if you want them to find it and also anything they should be checking out that you're a part of or involved with or doing well you know a a game uh i was one of the translators uh, on just came out and i'm kind of biting my nails even saying this because you know it wasn't without difficulties uh in the process uh, which is a whole different story i mean uh you know you 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 listeners out there you know localizing a game requires a lot of things and the most important thing is context and you don't always get that in fact sometimes you get none and yeah when you got none it's pretty hard to do so i've been reading some reviews of this game uh that actually say good things about the localization which i'm very happy about we had the best team of translators on this the game is lost sphere okay yeah, yeah. it came out this week it just came yeah. out and uh so i i think my name i think i think you know i signed a 
thing on there. My name might supposed to be in there, but uh, we didn't. You know, we didn't know the game. Didn't see the game. You just got the text. Yeah, and uh, one of those jobs. One of those jobs, you know, and and it was it was it was difficult. It was very difficult. We all worked really hard on it. And we had very tough uh, deadlines. I hope hope it brings some pleasure to people out there. Uh, I watched a review for it this morning, and uh, the guy who reviewed it was a old school JRPG fan and said he really enjoyed it. That's so good. Okay, that's so, what I've heard so far about. It. Hey, man, still doing it after twenty five years. There you go. There you absolutely go. So go check out Lost Beer. Oh, and if you, anybody well. wants to see uh, a website that I'm on, I I started this thing. It's, I call myself Dragon Baby, DragonBaby.jp. It's just a little website, but I'm still out here trying to trying to do my thing. And uh, do it, man. You can catch absolutely. me on Facebook. Catch me on Twitter. I'm all over the place. I don't. I don't. I don't hide. <laughs> <laughs> just don't. Just don't write anything nasty to me, please. I'm very sensitive. <laughs> always nice things yeah. always nice things anyway great well, pleasure Liam I, 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 I wish you luck in this uh, you know you're a young man with a bright future <laughs> I don't feel young <laughs> and I hope I have a bright I was married. I was so married much. with a child at your age <laughs> well yeah the, 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 yeah I don't have that thankfully yeah. I think 